Hi, I'm Dave McCormack from Custard, and you're listening to Six Pack. I've got time for one more round and a six pack to go. One six-pack to go. Welcome back to Six Pack, a podcast in which a couple of old drinking buddies share some favourite tunes and a six-pack of beer. We'll randomly choose a year, spin six tunes and down six beers. I'm Gareth and I'm joined by... Well, he's, he's, the, he's the Clarice to my Hannibal. He's the Bill to my Ted. He's the... Richard Fairbrass to my Fred Fairbrass. I don't get that one. What's that one? Right, said Fred. Oh. <laughs> it's Ryan. This episode, we'll be playing music from the year... 1991. 1991. We Just getting over that intro, Gareth. Um, 1991. A big year for you. You were 20. I was in year nine at high school. I was 14. Yeah, right. And can I just say, all the music I'm going to play this episode from the year 1991, I wasn't listening to any of that in 1991. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Well, I was a student in Cardiff. I think we've said that before when we did a a 90s episode. Yeah. I was playing lots of probably noisy stuff. Noisy. I'm not going to play too much of that today. I might play a little bit of it, but lots of noisy guitar stuff. I reckon. In 91, I was listening to, like, Buddy Holly records and Bo Diddley stuff and that sort of stuff. Fair enough. All right. So we're drinking beer again, of course. We are. And the guys at Bintani this week, they've given us Bodrigi Hazy Sipper Specky Juice. Is that what it's called? It's a good one. Specky Juice. Specky Juice. It's 3.5%. I'll read you the... uh, Session IPA. It's a Hazy Session IPA. This beer is tough as a good inside mid, but still sessionable enough to drink until a final siren. Refreshing as a four gold breeze. It's got flavor that'll hit you like a cheap whack to the bread bin behind plate. That's good. Session beer, a daytime beer, essentially, isn't it's it? It's a good one. It's a bit better than the, um, we've had a few six plus mm. percent ones. The show will be pretty civilized today, I feel. It doesn't taste too pissy. And, you know, like some of those session ones are. Yeah, it's good. It's, I like yeah, it. Me too. Thanks to Bintani. Bintani supply hops, malt, and yeast to the beer industry. Make Bintani your partner in taste and quality. Um, do we need to talk about our special guest today, Gareth? Indeed mm, we do, yeah. Yeah, so it's a um, another Australian guest, and it's funny because he was in one of my favourite bands from the 90s that mm. maybe you, being over in the UK, you might not have be as familiar with. Uh, so I used to go and see his band Custard all the time. Our special guest is... Special guest drinking buddy. It's Dave McCormack from Custard. Yeah. And he does the voice in the Bluey cartoon. Which we get to talk to him about as well. So um, We'll check in with Dave McCormack a little bit later and we'll hear his favourite tune from 1991. Well, to me, it's quite a classic year. I don't know. Not for me. I really struggled with tunes for this one, I I must say. But I'm probably not going to play the songs I was listening to then because they are on the sort of noisier end of things and I don't know if we need a whole show of noise. Nah, probably not. But I will open with a song from what I consider to be a classic album of that year. Yeah. They took a very long time to do a follow-up. You'll know them. It's very influential on um, other bands to follow as well, I'd suggest.
So I think we know who that one was, don't we? My Bloody Valentine. Yeah. When You Sleep off that album, Loveless, which was uh, yep. a pretty groundbreaking we, record, I think. See, it's funny because I would have heard of them in 1991, but I'm not sure I actually would have known who they were mm. in well, They've been around a few, few years, so they've <coughs> done a, a record a few years before, which was different sounding to that. I think that one was really kind of, I don't know, I'd say the template or the... They're kind of the godparents of shoegaze, really, I think. Yeah. Lots of bands trying to do that stuff after them. Did you have that one in 91? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah I would have been into them. Renowned for uh, really loud gigs, yeah, weren't they? Yeah, I've seen them play, and yeah, you have to wear earplugs. Yeah, it's funny. I, I, I'm going to play, I wouldn't say similar, but in the same ballpark band a bit later, and that was one of the loudest gigs I've ever been to. Yeah, right. But we'll get to that a bit later. Mm. 91. Yep. Politically, it was a big year, wasn't it? I was 14, so I wouldn't have known. <laughs> you'd, you had heard of the Soviet Union. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. I've heard of that. So that collapsed in 91. Yeah. It became the Commonwealth of Independent States, Gareth. It did, yeah. yeah. Um, How was that for off the top of my head? That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Gulf War was 91 yep. as well. Yep. So those sort of big world events were happening. So the Soviet Union broke up and became lots of independent states. And um, there was a cosmonaut who went into space. Oh, yeah. When he went into space, he was uh, a Soviet, and when he came back, he was a Russian. Oh, okay. The, uh, the, the nation had changed. So Gorbachev resigned. Yep. And they got, yep. uh, who came in? Boris Yeltsin, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, the Boris Boozer. Yeltsin. Yeah. Boozer. So, yeah, that was a big event. Um, some other good ones. Uh, the, the biggest song of the year in 1991 was Brian Adams' mm. Everything I Do, I Do It For You. God, that went on and on and bloody on. <laughs> I think it? in the UK it was number one for 16 weeks. Or it it, it like was that. similar here. It was oh. just, you could not escape it. And it was, wasn't it? It was. Was it in the, like, some Robin Hood? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Robin Hood Princess. God, it's taking me back. Um, mm. What about another good fact? Eric Clapton's four-year-old son, he mm. fell out of the um, New York City apartment uh, oh, window boy. and then Clapton wrote Tears in Heaven for him. For a bit of a sad one. Well, we seem to have an obsession with serial killers and... <laughs> And people back then, because the biggest yeah. film of the year that won five Oscars oh, was yeah. Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, yeah, great movie. One of the big books that came out was American Psycho. Okay, I've ne- I actually have never read that, read that one. I read that no. at the time. Yeah. Uh, had a bit of an impact on me. So it's yeah. a new book. It's about this kind of, uh, he, he, he's re- writing it from his own perspective as, yeah. being, as being this uh, serial killer. But he'll write a chapter. One chapter will be about his Armani suits and the other chapter will be about Huey Lewis and the news. And the next one God. will be about how he's uh, brutally murdering <laughs> someone he's picked up on the street. So, I haven't read it, so mm. I don't know that one. And um, in real life, Jeffrey Dahmer was uh, arrested as well. And he, he ate 17 people. Oh, God. We gotta, so that was, that was what was oh, going on in the 90s. People were... We're going to leave all this serious yeah. killer shit yeah. in? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah we are. Because that was kind of a big thing around then for some reason. Yeah, right. Twisted. And another crime that happened... <laughs> yeah, go on. Is the actress who played Kimberly from Different Strokes. <gasps> she died. Well, she didn't die that year. She died a bit later. Yeah. But she was, that's when the beginning of her downfall, when she was uh, caught... Doing an armed robbery of a Jesus, store, um, Dana Plato Dana is Plato. her name. Yeah, is yeah. her name? Yeah. yeah, sad, sad ending. Yeah, and Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> oh, is, that Herman. When he, is that when he got busted? <laughs> Pee Wee Herman got busted for jacking off in a. Was cinema. that in '91? Yeah. Uh, Paul Rubens is his real name. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> good. I'm good with the names, aren't I? All the pedos are real names. All you the know, pedos. Paul, Paul Gad. Yeah. Hey, hold on. And the Commonwealth of Independent States, Gareth. I'm just a fountain of knowledge. All right, all right. I'm not googling this people either, by the way. Yeah. Cool. 
I think I'd better play a song, hadn't I? Okay, enough enough of this. Now, the song I'm going to play, Gareth, I didn't know about it in 1991. Pretty sure you're going to know more about it than me, I think, because it's really up your alley. It was a sort of musical collective started by a guy who ran a record label. Uh, Have a listen to this one. Beer number two. Song two. You'd be all over that, oh, and you don't know who that is. I don't know. It sounds like Kim Deal from The Breeders, but I don't know. I'll don't give know. you a clue. That is Kim Deal from The Breeders singing. Why don't I know that then? Well, that's amazing because I thought it? you're a huge um, Kim Deal fan. You've even recorded her. The musical project is called This Mortal Coil. Ah, well, that's okay. I've heard of This Mortal Coil. Yeah. So that was um, the guy who set up uh, the record label 4AD. Ivo Watts Russell, yeah. that was his thing. And he got in yeah, yeah. 
members of the Cocteau Twins, Pixies and Dead Can Dance, and that was Kim Deal. And the song was called You and Your Sister. Yeah. It's a pretty beautiful song, isn't it? I've never heard it before. Well, there you go, Gareth. We drink and we learn. <laughs> I, just, I just played your Kim you, Deal song you haven't uh, heard. Gap in my knowledge. Wow. Okay, that would be good. like you playing me an amazing Buddy Holly song that I've never heard. Wow. Okay. Oh, well, that's cool. The uh, World Wide Web. Oh, was yeah. Kind of set up for the first time. Tim Berners-Lee. Yeah. At yeah. Uh, CERN in, in Switzerland, which is, you know, the Large Hadron Collider, that place. Okay. Set up the um, internet for the first time. Yeah. And a new word in the dictionary. Yeah. Cybersex. Well, you'd know all about that, wouldn't you? Well, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Because the internet had only just been discovered and then, then straight away cybersex goes into the what, what, what do you think it involved in 91? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, definition is kind of just saucy talk. On, <laughs> over a dial-up over a dial-up modem. <laughs> yeah, there was no texting going on, was there? Uh, what about this one? Uh, Freddie Mercury, lead singer of Queen, dies from AIDS mm. at the age of 45. I know. Was he 45? Yeah. God, it's only uh, crazy. You're older than me. I'll just reel you off a few bands that put out their debut album in 1991. Mm. You ready for this? Smashing Pumpkins, St. Etienne, Blur, Cypress Hill, Tupac. Mm. They all put out yeah, their, their was, debut albums. It was a big, big year. For big music. year. Um, yeah. The chart stuff was pretty rank. but It was um, pretty terrible, wasn't it? But um, yeah, there's definitely some good new things coming through, for sure. All right. Am I going to play my second tune, I yep, think? Yep, do it. I want to play a bit of Scottish pop.
So that was obviously Teenage Fan Club, Gareth. Um, what album was that off? Bandwagon-esque. I had a few Teenage Fan Club albums. I sort of came to them a little bit later. I had uh, Grand Prix. Yeah. That was way more polished. That sounded a bit more raw and mm. ready. I liked, yeah. I liked it. Yeah, it's great. That's that's a song called The Concept. It actually goes on for a, another few minutes or there with a yeah. you know, screaming lead solo and stuff. I just realised I played two songs off the same record label. Creation Records. Both on Creation. So yeah. My Bloody Valentine and Tina's Fan Club were both yeah. Creation. So Creation was kind of the label at that time, I think, yeah. just before they'd kind of signed um, Oasis. Oasis. So yeah. they were still kind of cool without being. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then they were about to go under and they signed Oasis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Partly because My Bloody Valentine cost them so much to, yeah, right. to record, apparently. So there you go. Do you think we should um, cross over to our, our chat with Dave McCormack from Custard, Gareth? Yeah, let's do it. Hey, Gareth and Ryan, how are yeah. you? Lovely to have you here. But you've chosen 91. Yeah. Um, why did you choose 91? Um, I chose 91 because that's when my band Custer was just starting to find its feet, living in Brizzy, the band's starting to sort of get some success and, and we're starting to, you know, we've got our own vibe happening and people are responding very well to it. So it's a very exciting time. I was in my mid-20s living in Spring Hill. I don't know if you guys know Brisbane very well. but We Spring do. Hill. We know a lot of Queenslanders who've moved down to Melbourne. You probably know Spring Hill. It's like right on the doorstep of the city and there was a great band scene and, and nightclubs and it felt like a new summer of love in a way. There was an explosion you know, we'd see pictures of the Happy Mondays or the Stone Roses and we all try and dress like them and have the silly haircuts and wear beads and tie-dyed shirts on public transport. And Australia was in a recession in 91 as well, wasn't it? Right, yeah, yeah, maybe. I remember the late 80s definitely, but maybe it was hanging around till then. But there was a definite scene in Brisbane, though. We knew that in Melbourne, that there was cool stuff coming out of Brisbane. Yeah, yeah, it was really happening. It was it was great. And but not only bands, there was like just good nightclubs you could go to and and um I, I don't know whether it was the age I was, but it just seemed the whole world was was there on your doorstep and you could go out and there's so many people with the similar world views and, and we're just having a great time. It was pretty creative. job then like everyone had finished uni and we're all on the dole and the dole back then was so easy you just drop a form in or you get someone else to drop a form in and and so we managed to stay on the dole until um 94 when our first sort of proper album came out i went into the dss as it was known and they said are you sure you're not making any other income from anything and I tried to keep up the ruse and I said, no, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And foolishly, we put out photos and names on the inside cover of the first album. And, and they said, so who's this David McCormack? And I was like. <laughs> you were sprung. Me. I was sprung. So that was the end of my um, doll years. But, um, geez, it was good. It was, it was pretty <laughs> bad back then. I'm alone. 
It's a funny one because me and Gareth often talk about and like maybe there's parallels with like Brisbane, like obviously, you know, Joe had been in a bit That's like right. Thatcher in England and all these cool bands came out as a reaction to it possibly. Yeah, yeah. well, look, mid to late 80s there was an explosion of stuff. Well, probably the 80s there was an explosion out of Brizzy because it was Sir Joe Bianchi Peterson's National Party government keeping a lid on everything and protests and freedom of speech and and Triple uh, Z up there, as you probably know, is sort of a key a key point of that whole explosion and, and still is. I mean, historically, I think bands have moved away from Brisbane, haven't they? So, you know, like the go-betweens and, and other uh, Saints and bands like that, it's kind of yeah. tried to go to London and do that. But maybe bands were staying there now because of the change of government, do you think? Uh, I don't know if it's a change of government. I think it was for us in the 90s, it's because Triple J went national. Yeah. So you didn't have to relocate. Like there were still the community stations, mm. but um, you didn't have to. So we we were pretty proud of staying in Brisbane um, until about 98 with Custard. And then once we quickly dispersed, we broke up pretty soon after that. So probably we lost our mojo a bit by moving to bigger cities like Melbourne and, and Sydney. But it was exciting, like living in Brisbane, you know, having – Eight years in custody in Brisbane and then going to Sydney, it was it was good in a way. You could pop in and see the, you know, the record company and stuff and, you know, a bit more in the scene of Sydney and or Melbourne, but then we broke up. <laughs> and then came back. <laughs> came back. And then came back 10, 15 years later, yeah. So this song that I've picked from 1991, I remember driving, strangely enough, with my mum in the car down in, uh, in the suburbs of Kenmore, which is sort of southwestern suburbs of Brizzy, where my parents, where I grew up and where my parents were still living. And Triple J had a new music show with um, Richard Kingsmill, you know, he'd present all the, yep. all the songs. And, um, and he was talking about this band and saying the word on the street was that they'd, they'd made a, a heavy metal album, right? And, uh, and I was like, wait, what? Because this, this band that I loved, it was like heavy metal, really? They're, they're, they're not really heavy metal. And then they played this song and it, it, it is pretty heavy and it's pretty like martial amp rock guitar, but it's still a quintessential song by this band that I love. Do you know who it is yet? <laughs>
and that version that you're playing there, that's the album version. That's so right. the, the, the one that, um, that I heard on the radio was the CD single version, which has a slightly different, it doesn't have that wobbly vocal sound. It's got more of a distorted one. But, uh, and that's the one that I heard in my mum's car and I was just like, wait, pull over, what is this? Because we, everyone, you know, Pixies, we heard on Triple Z, we heard, you know, Come On Pilgrim and Surfer Rosa and everyone had danced to Debaser, you know, at the nightclubs was so good. But then this song was just, this was a bit more, um, it was a bit more rock and it's a bit heavier and but it's a bit more art rock in a way. It was a bit more in the Perubu sort of the fall world for me. Like the way it's not as melodic as as a lot of the Pixies songs are. It's sort of it's a bit droney. It's a bit Velvet Underground maybe. I don't know. But um, and obviously Frank Black's vocals, stellar performance, beautiful surreal uh, lyrics. You know, I, I met a guy in a Rover. He said it's one more over. So what? And it's it's just great, and it's so exciting. And even hearing it that little bit then, it's still still spine tinglingly good, isn't it? And it also features um, Eric Drew Feldman on um, synthesizers in the in the latter part of the song. There's these whooshy sounds that you hear, and Eric Drew Feldman was in um, Perubu and Captain Beefheart's band, and he produced Frank Black's solo albums and then produced two albums with us as well for custom. And this oh, was sort of, wow. This was like a world come, because I've been a Perubu fan and then seeing Eric Drew Feldman's name on the, on the back. And he was of, in Captain Beefheart's band, was he? He was, yeah, in the, in the sort of a later iteration of that. Wow. So, yeah, Google Eric Drew Feldman. He's a, he's a pretty creative dude. Amazing. Yeah, I, I mean, the Pixies were like nothing else when they came along. I just remember hearing them. Um, I probably heard like Surfer Rosa. Yeah. And it was just like, what? what? I don't I, I quite. Uh. And it took a yeah. little while to sink in what they were all about. And then yeah. and then when it gets you, it just gets you. I think it's it's great stuff. And, and it's, it was, you're right, Gareth. It was like nothing else we'd heard before, was it? Like when you hear Gigantic or um, Where Is My Mind, it's like, what is this? Mm. Gotta hear it again. Who are these people? And before, um, you know, back in the 80s when there was no internet or access to stuff, you'd, um, You'd read about them, but there was no pictures, and I thought, what do these people look like? And then you see this beautiful, rotund, you know, Frank Black, great. He's the anti-rock star. He's, he's this jolly, rubenized bald dude with a voice straight out of some sort of angel of hell. And then there's Kim Deal and then Joey on the guitar, no, the guitar playing. Joey Santiago's yeah. guitar playing is like nothing else. It's yeah, just- yeah. Custard um, toured with Frank Black, yeah? We did. We toured with Frank Black, uh, yeah, in the mid-90s. So that was just, to talk about meeting your idols, it was great. And he was he was suitably detached and aloof. And, and what I liked, instead of a song list, they'd have on the side of stage these big pieces of butcher's paper, white paper, and with a marker they would just write, well, he would write out every song that the band knew. And then after each song he'd just turn to the side and go, oh, we'll do that one. It was the band that it was the actual band that performed on his first two solo albums. So they were 
they were it would keep them on their toes, wouldn't it? Jesus. Yeah, yeah, but they were good. Like the, the people in this in his solo band were like hotshot studio cats, but really cool at the same time. So um, these they were just incredible musicians. So uh, yeah, that was a great tour to be on. And what a what a great choice of song for '91. Yeah, well, this is. I'm sure there was a lot of other great music there. I'm sure you guys are going to play some other great music, but this one, um, this one will cut through like a hot knife through butter. Yeah, and and the band kind of I don't say broke up because they they're back again now, but that was their kind of the fourth album. Yeah, fourth that was the last. Album. That was the last studio album before the break, wasn't it? Or yeah. Was it? Yeah. yeah, so I think I think Bossa Nova before this was a bit of a dip for them, and I think they came back for me personally for Trompe Monde album. I think is a kind of is a killer, and you're like, you're right. It's it's, it's not metal, but it's kind of full on, and most yeah, of the songs yeah. are like two two and a half minutes long. I mean, this song's like two minutes six seconds long for a single, which is amazing. But what an exciting time to be alive because it was it was just it was pop, but not like we were used to it. Absolutely. I did want to read out um, a quote from your from the Custard website. Yeah. It says, East Coast band Custard are preparing to embark on a staggering run of shows to promote their now rather stale 2020 yep. album, Respect All Live Forms. Uh-huh. Lead singer Dave McCormack said, sure, I admit we have pretty much missed the boat on this one and it feels like we are pushing old shit up a rather steep incline. But we yep. hope there are enough old bastards out there who will be willing to spend their hard-earned cash to see us play a bunch of songs that are about 30 years old. <laughs> um, I did write that, and I reckon it's true. Like, I, I don't want, you know, I've never been about, you know, spruiking the band. I'd just rather lay it out, you know. We pretty much missed the boat with promoting respect or life forms. And when we do do a gig, there's only maybe one or two new songs on there and most of them are from the 90s. So I don't want anyone to accuse me of false advertising. So um, is the Custard Tour still going ahead or is that? I don't think so. I think, I, I don't know, like we're trying to reschedule it, but I, I just reckon let's go for 2022. Yeah. You know, like everyone's trying to reschedule you know, by a month or two and then another month or two and it's just, I reckon, pull the plug on it and just go next year. Yeah, everyone seems to just have hit pause on everything. and uh, But it gives gives you time to do other things, I guess. Are you writing music at the moment? No, I'm not doing, not doing much. I'm having a little break from all of that at the moment, so it's good. I'm loving it. Um, but you've been putting some singles out last year. I saw that you actually did a, a cover version of uh, Take the Skinheads Bowling. Yeah, that was the last-minute edition. That's something that we... Um, obviously we all knew that song from the 80s and then we forgot about it for 25, 30 years. And then at one sound check, we just started playing because it's only got three songs and it's beautifully surreal. And we did it at a couple of gigs and I just thought, let's record this. And then we got a whole lot of my kids and kids from the neighbourhood to sing backing vocals on it and it's cool. So now um, some people think that I wrote that song. So <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. I can take, take that credit. <laughs> I know. And they're always like, you know, the new album's okay, but the song that I really like is that Skinhead song. Last night there were skinheads on my lawn. Take the skinheads bowling. Take them bowling. Take the skinheads bowling. Take Yeah, good old Camper Van Beethoven. I know, yeah. yeah. Well, um, 
Oh, yeah, they're a good band, aren't they? Great. I love that tune. Well, the thing I always liked about Custard is that there always was a great humour to the band. Which, yeah, yeah. Like know. with a name like Custard, you can't really be too serious, can we? Like, but I mean, speaking of humour and seriousness, like a lot of the serious music that people like is actually quite funny, right? Oh, like, yeah. With Morrissey, uh, Leonard Cohen, Nick Cave, there's, all, there's always a sense of humour there. On the, on the surface, everyone goes, oh, they're so depressing and it's so, but it's hilarious. Yeah. There's, there's a bit of a tongue-in-cheek going on with that stuff, really. I mean, if if Morrissey was really that miserable, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> but who, who else could write a song that heaven knows I'm miserable now and all that stuff? It's so good. It's beautiful. Well, I want you to know that since you walked out on me, my life has turned into a pile of shit I said love, 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 love me And now you're gone At least I got plenty of time To recall when you said that you were mine Until the end of your lifetime But you just smiled and turned my life is better now that you have gone. We were going to ask you uh, a little bit about um, doing the voice in uh, Bluey these yeah, days. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I do the voice of Bluey's dad, and that's something that uh, I've never, I've never sought out to be a voice actor. I didn't even know that was a uh, a job until um, people started calling me that. So now I'm a voice actor. <laughs> um, I can only do one character and it's me. <laughs> You're a man of many talents <laughs> being yourself. But people always say, Dave, can you do the voice of Bandit Healer? And I say, how's this? They go, wow, that's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, look, I think my voice acting career is going to be very narrowly focused to this one voice that I have and uh, if it's not this I can't do it. So is the character based closely on you as well? <laughs> uh, I think the character's based closely on dads and like I've got two young daughters about the same age as the, the kids in the show so um, I, I think it's pretty universal dad stuff and as I'm sort of going through it at, the, at approximately the same time it's pretty easy. So did it freak your kids out watching Bluey and going, oh, oh, that's... Initially, yeah, initially, like for the first couple of episodes and then no, it's just used to it. And yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, did you tell them about that? I'm like, I didn't tell them. It's just stuff that happens. Yeah, wonderful. Well, it's a, I guess it's exciting to have this kind of new additional string to your bow, as it were, and another nice new income, and it's gone worldwide as well. It's a, it's a global... Um... Yeah, yeah. But look, as I say, I don't think there's a longevity in it. I think this is... I'm a one-trick pony, and I'm, <laughs> I'm currently doing my trick, and then that's it. I'm out to pasture. No Pixar movies uh, in the... <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Could you imagine? Wow. No, they wouldn't yeah. understand what I say anyway, would they? They're like, what are you doing? I don't understand your voice. <laughs> That's wonderful. So, um, well, this has been fantastic talking to you. Lovely to meet you guys. Thanks so much. See you in Melbourne if we ever get down there. Thanks, Dave. Yeah. That was a cool one for me. I was a big Custard fan in the 90s. and um, What a lovely chap. Yeah. 
good guy yeah, and, nice uh, you know, obviously um, a Pixies fan as well and we all love the Pixies. That's it. So we played Kim Do and the Pixies now, so that's good. So now we've got back to our stuff again. Yeah. Well, it's funny, Gareth. This is quite an obvious one. An obvious one from 1991 would be um, something off Nevermind or something mm. like that. It's not as obvious as that, but... Um, I'm you, going to talk about that in a minute. Okay. Um, you... Uh, you played a Scottish band just before we cut to um, Dave McCormack, and now I'm going to play a Scottish band. Oh, okay. When I was listening to this, <laughs> I want your opinion. The start of the song, it's incredibly similar. It's not Faith by George Michael, but it's got a really similar start, and I wanted to get your professional opinion. We'll have a listen. Maybe you could do a mashup of Faith by George Michael and this song. Have a listen. Beer number four. Song 4 Cause I gotta have faith I gotta have faith I was blind Now I can see You better leave her I don't mean I was blind Now I can see Oh! 
guys. That's another song from Creation Records. Another song from Creation Records, mm-hmm. and that another Scottish band. That was Primal Screen, moving on up off the huge album from 1991, Scream Delica, yeah, which was a massive album, wasn't mm, it? Huge. I saw them a few years later, 1996, and it was the loudest gig I have ever been to. Mm. It was at the Palace in St Kilda, which is next to the Palais mm. since knocked down. A bit more of a, a grungy venue, shall we say, and it was so loud. It was like ringing in the ears. I actually had to... Um, uh, I, I then moved behind a glass screen and it was still really well, loud. You know, Kevin Shields from from yeah. um, My Bloody Valentine yeah. produced Primal Scream a bit later and played in Primal Scream. So that oh, may, yeah. maybe it was that era when it was really loud because he, he yeah, was right. in the band. And when I saw them, they had um, Manny from the Stone Roses as the yeah, bass player. Yeah, 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 cool. Great band. So I was playing in bands in 91. Oh, so yeah. I started a band in 91. Yeah. And the guitarist who was in the band, my friend... Previously, had been jamming with a guy called Paul Connell. Okay, and he was the guy who did the artwork for the front for the cover of Primal Scream. There, really that iconic kind of yeah, uh, right. The, you know, this the sun. Thing. I, 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 I believe my understanding is um, that was a tiny um, like the I guess the graphic designer zoomed in on, on a particular bit of the artwork. Yeah, and right. it's pretty iconic. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Paul Connell did that. Yeah, there you go. So. Um, I was in a band back yep. in, in 91, uh, playing some gigs, and we were lucky enough to play a gig supporting Mercury Rev back then. No way. Yeah, at, so really? In a place called, I think you have told me that. Yeah, a place called Newport TJ. So I was a student in Cardiff. Yeah. Newport's like 10 miles away from, from Cardiff, and it yeah. was the coolest venue in, in the UK. Yeah, yeah. They would get the coolest bands to come and play at And Merc- Mercury Rev are definitely one of them. Yeah. So yeah. Well, the reason we got the gig is because we'd, we'd previously had a, a support with a different band. Yeah. We'd driven all the way down from Reading. Yeah. To do the show, and then we saw on the door that the gig had been cancelled. So <laughs> this was in the days before mobile phones and any contact numbers like that. So we'd driven all the way down there. So the promoter was felt very kind to us and gave us a show with Mercury Rev. Oh, Jeez, that's not bad. So I kind of got in with the promoter a little bit. And in the same year, yeah. there was a gig on at Newport TJ's. Yeah. And it was um, Daisy Chainsaw. Yeah. Maybe I'll play them as one of my also rounds, actually. Yeah. Therapy. And the headline band was Hole. Oh, Courtney, Courtney Love. Courtney Love. Okay. And at the show oh, was yeah. Cobain. Yeah, right. Apparently that night was the night that he proposed to her. They got together and you were there. I was there, man. And even more than that, <laughs> I missed the train home. Yeah. And I got... Because you were in a threesome with Courtney Love <laughs> and Kurt Cobain. What a good story. I, I'm actually the, the, yeah. um, the father of, what's the name? Francis, Francis B. B. Uh, no, no, but I, I missed the train home mm. and I stayed at the promoter's house with the other bands that had been playing that night. Not whole, actually, but... Oh, right. But um, Daisy Chainsaw and... And therapy, we, I stayed at the promoter's house that same night. That's a, that's it a, was a great night. Yeah, and you were 20. I was 20. There you go. You practically know Kurt Cobain. I, I, I actually helped him write a few songs. <laughs> Can we get in touch with the, the Nirvana uh, publishing catalogue? Gareth is on some royalties. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned Mercury Rev because I was thinking about playing one of their songs, but I think I'll have it as an also ran. Well, let's play a bit of it as an also round now. Is that, yeah. So my also round, I'll play a little bit yeah. of that Daisy Chainsaw. Yeah, yeah. About so, this is them. 
So do you know them? I don't know that one. That they was, were uh, pretty they, heavy. They were yeah. hot stuff in London around about that time. Everyone yeah. thought they were going to be the next big thing, um, but that was kind of their peak with that song, really. I was probably into like, lots of noisy stuff around about then, like things like Unsane and Jesus Lizard and... Mud Honey, Fudge Tunnel, don't know. Don't know. What, what you did in 1991 is, is up to you, Gary. Butthole Surfers. Yeah. Yeah, all that stuff. Um, another one, though. Big Big City by Spaceman 3, of course. Yep, yep, great band. Um, and I think, did we see this band together at uh, ATP? A little snippet of Slint, yep. Spiderland, yeah, uh, Breadcrumb Trail. So we saw them at ATP together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you got any also rounds? Yeah, uh, you were talking about Mercury Rev before, and I was thinking of playing this one. Wanna ask, but I just stare. Can't run my hands through your car wash hair. So that was Mercury Rev, Car Wash Hair, and 1991 was the year they released their debut album mm, as well. The different lead singer. Yes, they changed so, singers, yeah, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Great stuff. I love that. So this one was on the shortlist, Gareth. It's an interesting one because um, it's by uh, an Indigenous Australian group. Mm. Lyrics and music um, co-written by Paul Kelly and Peter Garrett. And you can kind of hear Peter Garrett's influence in this one. And there's a bit of didgeridoo. And it was the first charting release in an Aboriginal language. Have a listen to this one.
Yeah, so Gareth, that was a band called Yothu Yindi, Aboriginal band. Mm. Um, the song's called Treaty, and it's the first song in an Aboriginal language that charted in Australia. Yeah, right. I've heard of Yothu Yindi. The song was released three years after the presentation of the Barunga Statement to then Prime Minister Bob Hawke. The brothers in the band wanted to highlight the lack of progress on the treaty between Indigenous Australians and the Australian government. Mm. And also... And that was 30 years ago. And that was 30 years ago. still hasn't, yeah. hasn't progressed much, has it, to be honest? And it's funny, like, you know, I guess as a 14-year-old, I just heard that and was like, oh, you know, that's, that's an okay song. And it's funny now, reading about that um, Paul Kelly and... Peter Garrett, you know, were co-writers. You can hear a bit of Midnight Oil. Definitely, yeah. yeah. In there. Do you have to play your last I'm one? I'm going to play my last yeah. one, then. So this is a debut record yeah. of uh, one of my favourite artists, I suggest. Yeah. It's not on Creation or 4AD. Okay. It's actually on two Pure records. Oh, yeah. Here number five, song five.
Yeah. So that was uh, PJ Harvey Gareth. Holly Jean Harvey. And you, I know you're a massive fan of her. Yeah, so that was a debut record. She was debut in 91 as well. Yeah. Uh, was she going out with Nick Cave at that point? No, I wouldn't have thought so. No, no. she was pretty underground. She was still playing like small venues in London at that, at that point in time. Yeah, so right. Um, Two Pure Records was uh, the guys who used to do promotion at the White Horse in um, Hampstead. So they, they put out small... some of the um, Stereo Lab stuff yeah, exactly, as well. Yeah, yeah. So they were kind of they had the finger on the pulse. But um, lover, yeah, seen her a few times. Saw her at Sydney not so long ago. Saw her at the Eden Project. Yeah, big fan. Cool. All right, now. I'm going to play my last song, Gareth. I actually did listen to this one in 91. You couldn't escape it in Australia. Um, have a listen to this one. Different genre. Here you go. Yeah, this is Mystery Nate King. I'm a Philadelphia. I'd like for you to give me a call on area code 215-222-4209. And I'm calling in reference to the music business. Thank you. Beer number six. Song six. Situations like this, I now hate to give me smiles Kool-Aid wide and ass And with the straightest face, I be like Hell yes, yes, yes. the bitches yes. of Papa Prince Paul So I don't go A-war, but yet I know when they call they get Hey, how you doing? Sorry you can't get through Why don't you leave me? So I make like the bunny jet But I'm getting used to this demo abuse 
getting raped and giving birth to a tape Cause there's no escape from the clutches of a hawker Attached to my success, sent like a stalker Make way to my radius, playing fly guy Try to get my back, they force like Luke Scott Me, myself, and I go to this act daily And rarely do I not, no matter how I do So Gareth, that was D-Last Soul And the song was called Ring, Ring, Ring Do you remember mm. that one? That was a huge, yeah, that would have yeah. been a big hit Yeah, I, I have the previous album Oh, oh okay the, Um uh, three feet high and rising. That one. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I'm uh, so I think that came out a bit earlier. I, I'm not that into hip hop, but I think my brother had that album. The album's called D La Soul Is Dead, and that just um, you know stuck with me. That song, and I think I remember everyone wanted to put that song on their answering machine. It's not as full on as something like Public Enemy or something like that. It's or no, or, or as gangster as some of the other stuff. It's kind do, of. Do you think that's how it crossed over with uh, white people in Australia? Or maybe. Well, I think we are done for the year of 1991. Yeah, it was a good one, wasn't it? Love Dave McCormack. He was great. Yeah. Yeah, love those stories. He's got a bit of charisma, Dave, doesn't he? Yeah, he showed us up a bit. That's, yeah. Uh, that's all right. I can fix that up in the edit. I'll make him, <laughs> make him sound like a chump in the yeah, edit. Yeah, please do. All right, so now we've got to think about what we're going to do next week. A little clue is you played a little bit of one of their songs in this episode. I did. I did. Yeah. Snippet. Let's go to the random year generator, see if it can tune into the brainwaves of our guest next week. Here we go. 1965. Back in 65, classic uh, year. We've done that already, but that's not to phase us. We can do that one again. Such a good year, 65. I'm chomping at the bit to play, so, play three more songs. So many good tunes. So, for all the f***ed up children in the world, tune in next week. See you then. I've got time for one more round and a six-pack to go. Six-pack. One six-pack to go.